Hey, we're, as you could see from the, the little trailer there, starting a new series this morning uh, through the Christmas season. Uh, we're going to be looking at Christmas carols. And this morning, uh, in, in your uh, bulletin, uh, with the fill-ins, the lyrics to Hark the Herald Angels Sing uh, are on there just for you to have as we go through. I'll go back through them. But that's what we're going to be starting with today. And, uh, you, you know, it's, uh, it's a great one to start with. I, I was looking up, you know, way back when we were kind of researching for the series, what are some of the top favorite hymns, uh, Christmas carols, uh, you know, based on polls and things like that. And it was like, you look up five different sites and you have five different sets of answers, you know. So, uh, but it has been said of Hark the Herald Angels Sing, it's definitely one that we would say is more of a classic because uh, it's been around for uh, several hundred years, but it's really become a favorite, uh, you know, listed as, as one of the favorites. And, and my, my prayer and my goal this morning is just on the other side of this, of course, by God's grace that we would have uh, just a, a fresh sense of awe for the Lord, uh, awe for what happens and all that we're celebrating at Christmas time, and maybe we hear this Christmas carol forever with a much greater depth of wow, you know? So, so that's what we're going for. Um, th this, this particular carol is based on Luke chapter 2, where the angel appears to, to the shepherds and then all the angels, you know, the heavenly host, uh, talking about the birth announcement, the birth of Christ. So let's begin there. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, and we'll look at verses 8 to 20 says, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord." And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Hallelujah. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So wow, this, this picture that we get, you know, uh, trying to get our, our, our minds around what the shepherds experienced on this day. Uh, you, you know, this, this whole telling of the, the birth announcement of Jesus, even folks who don't frequent the doors of a church very much, even those who don't crack open a Bible very often, you know, have, have heard this, uh, you know, especially I'm thinking in my generation, uh, being raised on the Peanuts Christmas special. Come on, can everybody give me a wave, right? 
the theologian among them, Linus, declares for everybody, you know, let's straighten everybody out so they understand what this is all about. And, and he lays it out and unfolds it. But, you know, um, when we look at this hymn that is, uh, you know, being shared from Luke chapter 2, it was written by Charles Wesley. Some of us might be familiar with Charles and John Wesley, others might not, uh, but they are uh, just great men of God used uh, a couple hundred years ago uh, during the first great awakening, uh, and they're actually the founders of the Methodist movement, and God just did tremendous things uh, through these guys. Uh, Charles wrote over 6,500 hymns. Yeah, and his goal in writing the hymns were to teach them to the poor and the illiterate, specifically sound doctrine. You know, so, so you know, these, these hymns are so uh, rich, full of biblical truth and understanding. And how many know it's a whole lot easier to grasp and digest and remember uh, when, when it's set to song or when it's like in a poem set to rhyme, you know. Uh, so uh, the, these just were, were great men of God, used mightily. Uh, Wesley uh, was inspired by the sounds of a London uh, church where the church bells were ringing on his way into church one Christmas day. And he wrote the Hark poem about a year after his conversion to be read on Christmas day. And then another uh, one used mightily of God, uh, 1753, George Whitfield uh, was a student and then eventually a colleague of Wesley. He adapted the poem into song. Uh, and then, uh, you know, looking it up historically in the 1850s, the words of the hymn uh, were paired with music and it was printed in a collection of hymns. And so that's a little bit of the background on how it all came together. You know, but what we really have is almost like a whole Bible theology course that's really squeezed down into these three stanzas. So, so we're going to take a look at these, and, and what a great day to be taking communion, because what we're going to see is where we lead to is, you know, focusing in on, you know, uh, what, what is ours, what we celebrate, because Jesus came to earth. So, so let's go through these. Uh, the first stanza, again, if you're following along in your notes, focuses on the birth announcement. So I'll go ahead and read it. It says, Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. And again, hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. So as we look at this first stanza, as we look at Luke chapter 2, let's uh, just kind of pause a little bit on uh, two sets of characters. Let's look at the angels, and then let's look at the shepherds, and, and, and we'll see the, the awesomeness in this announcement. So, you know, it's fitting that the most important birth that ever was or ever will be, that it was proclaimed by angels, by supernatural beings. You know, I don't know about you, but I've seen a lot of depictions of angels just, you know, throughout life, but I doubt any of them are quite accurate. You know, you, you imagine the picture. These are those that are dwelling around the throne and doing the will of God. And we can go all the way back to the third chapter of Genesis where, where this promise of a coming Messiah, right? Uh, God is pronouncing judgment on the serpent. And he said, there's one coming. You're going to bruise his uh, heel, talking about the cross, right? Uh, but he's going to crush your head. He's going to crush your headship. 
And then all throughout the word of God, we see all of these different verses that continue to point toward Messiah. And then as, as time moves on, more and more details about the, the life and career of the Christ, these things are unfolding. Uh, I just have one that we're looking at, Jeremiah 23, 5. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king. And deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. And there's so many different verses like this that just continue to describe. So, so you know, this picture of, of the angel sharing uh, with, with the shepherds here. You know, unfortunately, we as modern Americans, we have to undo what Madison Avenue has put before our eyes, right? Angels are not chubby little babies floating on clouds with cute little wings. Can somebody say amen? All right, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about angels. Uh, in fact, 108 times they're mentioned in the Old Testament, 165 times in the New Testament. <laughs> and the Bible portrays them very differently from what I just described there. Isaiah described them as having six wings and flying. On some occasions, they appeared as beings of overwhelming light. In fact, they almost always inspire awe and fear. So their first words are, fear not. Uh, they sometimes appear like ordinary uh, men. Uh, we, we read in Hebrews that it says that we may have entertained angels unaware. The newsboys wrote, wrote a song along that, if, if you know the, the newsboys. Um, so angels are most often sent as God's messengers. The news they give is usually good news. In this case, it's the best news. Uh, and... Uh, some angels are noted as messengers, like we have here, others guardians, others worship, uh, others even overseeing nations or administrating God's judgment. So we don't know how many angels were in that choir that night, because right, what did we read that, you know, the, the announcement is given from the angel, and then it says joining him after that is, is a host of angels, you know, uh, what, what that must have been like for the shepherds to have, you know, that veil peeled back. But here in, in Revelation 5.11, it says, Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. So Luke says there's a great company of heavenly hosts that's here. Uh, and it must have been an astounding sight to the shepherds. But the angels may have felt like this was a, a vastly understated statement. After all, this is the most significant event of human history. The Messiah coming to earth, taking on flesh, right? So like the first stanza says, the child has come to bring peace on earth and mercy mild. At last it would be possible for God and sinner to be reconciled. No wonder that Wesley exclaimed, joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies, right? As this picture is unfolded. I, I don't know that, that words or, you know, any special effects studio could ever capture for us what happened on, on that, that, that glorious event. And, you know, the angels, you, you know, watching through history the unfolding of this plan of salvation. The announcement as, as they're sent is to shepherds in a field, not to kings and rulers, not simultaneously all around the world, like it says is going to happen in the future, right, where there'll be times like that coming, 
Why, why these shepherds and, and why in this setting? You know, well, part of it, what's really interesting is these are shepherds of sheep, tending sheep and lambs. And, uh, you know, here now is coming the lamb who will take away the sins of the world. But I think also in this picture of Jesus in a, in a manger and shepherds in a field, God was letting all of humanity know, because what do we do as human beings in our natural self, in our carnal self? We start to put people into hierarchies. Who's more important than another? Who has more value than another? That kind of a thing. And so shepherds, interestingly, were uh, kind of like the, the bottom of the society uh, of the time. They were considered unclean, dirty, smelly, hanging around with the sheep. So isn't it just like God to send a very clear message that Jesus came for everybody? Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And, and so, you know, these, these shepherds have this honor uh, of being those that, that this event is heralded to. Uh, and, 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 you know, what we're seeing in the event, you know, if anybody had a grasp and understanding of these these lambs that would have to be slain for sin. Romans 5.10 tells us, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? I mean, that's what's encapsulated in this announcement, the Savior has come. While we're still enemies, while we still couldn't reach God, couldn't deal with the, the debt that we owed, that we could never pay, you know, here it is that God sends Jesus for us. So just an incredible picture in this announcement. Now in the second stanza, uh, we, we now see who Jesus was. The second stanza emphasizes who Jesus was. And, and it, by the way, it is who Jesus is. I just simply say who he was that they were announcing at that time, okay? So uh, the next set of lyrics says, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel, hark, the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. So again, back to Charles Wesley, he managed to pack four important doctrinal truths about the identity of Jesus into this one short verse. Uh, and so as we look at it, again, it's a little kind of a mini course on who is Jesus biblically. So first, his deity his godhood. Christ by highest heaven adored. And again, we just saw the picture. Who is the highest heaven? It's all those that are engaged around the throne, the angels, uh, uh, adoring Christ, the everlasting Lord. And, and John 1, 1 tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's neat how it's worded in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. That's Bible talk for this isn't just some regular, ordinary person. 
So then we, we not only see his deity, but we also see his virgin birth. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Isaiah 7.14 prophesies this, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, just a little side note before we go further, because in this, in this particular uh, part of the lyrics, it says, late in time, behold him come. You know, it's amazing when we look at the timing of the entrance of Christ into the world. It tells us in scripture that uh, at the fullness of time, Jesus came. And when we look at it in the natural, during, you know, the Roman Empire era, there were things that were orchestrated in place that had not been in place any time before that. First thing with the Roman Empire, you had the Roman peace. So for the heralding and preaching of the gospel, there was a peace, peace enough all around the empire for people to to go out and and bring the gospel out toward the ends of the earth. There was a Roman system of roads where you could get around and where the gospel could just explode like it did. It just moved all over the empire. And then then thirdly, there was uh, this common Greek language that was spoken all around the empire. And, you know, uh, the, the Lord so beautifully orchestrated that at the fullness of the time, Uh, or the fullness of time, the Savior came. And uh, with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and then the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost, and then all we read in the book of Acts, just the, the accelerated, explosive growth and spreading of the gospel had to do with God orchestrating right at that fullness of time. Amen. Pretty cool. So uh, also here, uh, uh, Charles uh, talks about the incarnation of Christ. So we looked at his deity, his virgin birth, the incarnation. And again, when we try to get our mind around this, right? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. And then we see, you know, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And along with this, he also speaks of his humility. And that's that, you know, the, the lyric talking about uh, you know, content to dwell with man is basically what that's saying. What a humility of the everlasting King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So wow, what he packed so much into just those few lines there. Uh, again, him coming at the right time. Uh, Hebrews 9.26 says, but he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Amen. There was an English hymnist, uh, Eric Routley, who wrote concerning Wesley's hymns. These hymns were composed in order that men and women might sing their way not only into experience, but also into knowledge. That the cultured might have their culture baptized and that the ignorant might be led into truth by the gentle hand of melody and rhyme. 
man, it's just so beautifully worded, right? And it, it is, isn't that what we endeavor in our worship? You know, we, we want to experience God in our worship. And we also want to grow in knowing the God we worship. We want to know who it is that we're worshiping. So really cool. The final stanza gives us a theology of what Jesus came to do for us. So the third stanza teaches what Jesus offers what Jesus offers. And, and you could start, you know, if you want getting ready, it'll be just a couple of minutes where we'll take communion together. But uh, the third stanza says, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lay his glory by, born that man no more may die. Hallelujah. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Thank you, Lord. Hark, the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. So, so amen, amen. That's worth giving him a praise this morning, somebody, huh? So three things that we'll look at here as we prepare our hearts for communion. Uh, first of all, Jesus brings light and life to all. Uh, and, and again, that's exactly how it's worded there in, in the lyric. John 1.4 says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. You know, some people believe that those who follow Jesus or in order to give their heart to Jesus, that it's going to mean giving up joy or fun or fulfillment in life. What a lie from the enemy that is. Amen. I love hearing it. I hear, nope, no way, nope. I know for me, I believe that lie for 19 years trying to figure it out myself, you know, and then I, I made that decision to say, this ain't working at 19, and then said, Lord, I'll follow your way. And in that, I found his light and his life and his hope. So, you know, maybe it is that some, some people have run into crabby religious folks. God have mercy. God have mercy. You know, if that's the testimony that people get. But, you know, we say a lot of times around here, you know, it's not religion that saves us. It's not religion that gets it done. It's, it's an encounter and it's living life for and with the Savior. That's where life comes. He, he, his life is light, the light of all of, of humanity. And so he sheds light on the most vital issues. We find purpose. We find understanding. It's, it's a message that's relevant for every age, you know, for every season. Uh, so he brings light in life. Second, Jesus brings healing. Uh, it, it says in, in this, this stanza, risen with healing in his wings. And as we prepare for communion, we, we uh, take communion regularly and we, we remember as we're instructed by the Lord in his word to remember the shedding of his blood and the breaking of his body, the great price that was paid, but then also what that has purchased and done for us. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Amen. Amen. And then third, Jesus brings victory over death. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. 
born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Hallelujah. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So this Christmas season, you, you know, uh, Pastor James, what, what I so love about the, the drama that's, that's coming down the way here is people in our culture are surrounded by Christmas season stuff. And, and those who come to watch this drama are going to see that all point them to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Because when Jesus entered the world, everything changed. Everything changed. Life and death came to a, uh, I'm sorry, life and light came to a dark world and death was swallowed up in victory. Uh, another great quote, Ralph Stocksman put it this way, the hinge of history is on the door of a Bethlehem stable. So, so good. So as we prepare to take communion together, uh, and, and you'll see this in, in your notes under the next steps, I want to look at two old-fashioned words that we see in this hymn. Again, they're, you know, words from, you know, 17, 1800s. I want to look at the word hark and the word herald and have us respond uh, to what we looked at here this morning. The word hark means pay attention, listen. You know, so when we say, hark the herald angels sing, it's saying, stop, pay attention, listen. The herald, and we'll talk about what that means, angels are singing. They have something important to say. Listen, all of humanity, right? So, you know, we're told in Scripture, John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son. That whoever believes in him would perish, uh, would, would not perish, sorry, but have everlasting life. So that's for all of us, all who lived before, all who are alive now, and those who will come after us. Jesus died for everybody. But it is that personal decision that we have to make on what we specifically do with that. It's... it's this good news and this great victory is brought into our lives when we say yes, when we hearken to what has been heralded to us. That if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that we'll be saved. So this idea of confession is not confessing, um, you, you know, just trying to train our mind into some kind of a thinking. It's a confession. Well, let, let me move over, over to hail. Hark and herald. Let me move over the word hail. To hail someone means to acclaim, to salute, and to acknowledge. So how about another hymn where we sing, all hail King Jesus. All hail Emmanuel. Oh, that, that is to say all acknowledge, uh, all uh, acclaim, all salute. So when the word of God tells us to confess, it is to acknowledge. 
It is to salute. It is to uh, bring him into a place of lordship in our lives. How do we do that? Well, we do it by grace. That's nothing that we can do on our own. It's part of what, what, what we celebrate. That's part of what, what brings awe to our hearts when we realize we can't save ourselves. But this free gift by grace has been given to us, and then we pull it into our life by faith, by believing. Lord, I recognize I can't save myself. Lord, I uh, receive this wonderful gift of grace by faith, and I confess Jesus as Lord of my life. As I mentioned earlier, I, 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 at 19 years of age, I made that, that decision to hail Jesus as Lord of my life. I knew all about him since I could remember because I grew up in religious background, but I didn't do anything with it until I chose to say, Jesus, you're my Lord. And the Bible tells us that if, you know, we, we do what we're talking about here, that God takes up residence inside us. Born again, as we just, you know, a second birth happens in our life where we become a brand new creation in Christ and God takes up residency on the inside. And then we begin this journey of walking with him. You know, a little side note, when you look at uh, purpose in life, the most foundational purpose in life is to know him and walk with him. That's the foremost reason why God created humanity. So wouldn't it make sense that if we push everything else out of the way and say yes to that, that we have a great foundation to build the rest of our lives on, right? That we are starting with, this is what I've been created for, to know God. And, and, and God doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, taking away our, our sin as we think on our communion this morning, the debt that we couldn't pay, Jesus paid for us. So what I'd like to do just as we prepare to close this morning, it could be here with us. There might be some that are here. And, uh, and by the way, in the booth, if you could just get ready to put the, um, the response on the screen for anybody who responds to prayer this morning uh, so that we can get right back to them um, for the text number. But it could be that there's some that are here and you've never said, Jesus, I hail you. I confess you as Lord of my life. Move into my heart. Wash away my sin. I'm going to lead us in, in just a minute here in just a very simple prayer of invitation to uh, confess Jesus as Lord and to invite him into your heart. Maybe you're watching us online. Maybe you're listening. Uh, you, you know, you're listening well after this service has happened. You know, this is your opportunity as well. Maybe there's others that are saying, you know, I confessed him, but I've... I've wandered, I've gotten away, and I just feel the Lord tugging on my heart, and I, I got to come back to him today. And the Bible says that he will heal our backslidings. And he's like the, the father of the prodigal son that's just waiting, staring at the horizon, waiting for his prodigal sons and daughters to come back home. So wouldn't it be great if this Christmas season... That, that it's honored for what it's all about. This proclamation that the Savior has come and then our personal response uh, to that call. And then after I lead us in prayer and, and for each person who wants to respond, then I just want to invite you, at, 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 we're going to pray and then we're going to receive communion.
And just take some inventory in your own personal life right now. Is there an area of your life that's not in line with what Jesus has done for you? He broke the power of sin in our lives. Sin will no longer have dominion over you. He's broken off shame and guilt and all that comes with the, the bondage of sin. Is there brokenness, his body broken by his stripes, you were healed? Is there brokenness in your mind, body, soul? It's an opportunity to say, Lord, by faith, I come before you and I receive this. Lord, as I remember and as I reverence the work you did on the cross as my Lord and Savior, I receive that work by faith. How many know, right? We walk by faith and not by sight. So I just want to encourage your heart. If you walked in this morning and you said, well, what's happening by sight isn't great. There's a promise to grab a hold of so that what's by sight gets in line with what you believe. When it gets in line with what he did. That gets in line when we believe in light of what he did. Amen. So first, I'm just going to lead in a prayer. Anyone, you know, you just say, Lord, this is me. Lord, this is me. I am responding uh, to say yes to Jesus. I'm responding to come back home. And so, Lord, as we prepare to wrap this service up today, we just thank you so much. We take a step out of all of the busyness in our daily lives and we step back and we look at eternity. And Jesus, you have rescued us from an eternity without you. Jesus, we believe you are who you said you are just around this place, watching online. We confess afresh here today that you are Lord and Savior of our lives. We acknowledge that apart from you, we're sinners. And Lord, we confess and renounce sin. Jesus, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And thank you that you've made us brand new. We call you Lord and Savior. And we say, by your grace, Lord, help us to walk with you each and every day that follows. Hallelujah. Lord, now as we prepare to take this communion, we remember the great price that you paid on that cross. You poured your blood and your body was broken so that we could be free, so that we could be whole. And so as we say with fresh surrender to you, Lord, we stand on your great and precious promises that you've made us righteous, you've made us free, and you've made us whole. And we, we believe it, we receive it as we partake now. In Jesus' name, in your name, amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Amen.